It's 12.08. This is Jeff Wagner. I confess my head is ready to explode. And it's not hay fever. Here's a report. Aired on Channel 4 yesterday, today's TMJ4. I'm going to play it in its entirety. I will supplement it, and then we will discuss. Here it is. It's a paintball battle on the streets of Atlanta. Rapper 21 Savage streamed this video last month, publicizing his version of a crime prevention program, choosing paintballs over bullets. It's better than doing anything else. It's called Guns Down, Paintballs Up, and it's spread through social media to Milwaukee. Kojak Jackson has picked up paintballing as a way to settle scores. Better than somebody out here fighting and shooting? Yeah, why not? You angry, bro? Come on, we can sell this in this field, come on. It's concerning to us as a police department because of the nature of the crime. It's unsuspecting citizens who don't know what's going on. Milwaukee police have at least five dozen reports of people not in on this game targeted with paintballs. That includes an elderly man shot in the head. Jacob Smith showed us the damage a paintball can do. I've had this for a long time. Okay, because I noticed that he just bought it. Yeah, this I got from my brother's house last night. All the publicity has Kojak Jackson worried police will crack down on their painful game. If police come out here now and just roll up and see all 60 of us and decided to confiscate our guns, my thing would be for what? What is we doing? What are we doing wrong? Kojak Jackson is worried that the police might roll up on he and his buddies and confiscate their guns. Why would you do this? What are we doing wrong? All right, well, here's the latest numbers. Um, Since this came to Milwaukee on Thursday, um, the reports are that the police are already investigating 65 reports of random paintball shootings. Two postal workers were hit in the face. Latest report is a guy on a bicycle, 11.15 last night, hit in the face with a paintball. Many people are reporting that the thing that happens is you got some of these people, they will roll up in a car, you'll be driving, they'll pull up next to you, somebody with mask, a mask on, you know, like you do in this paintball things, will then start shooting out the window at your car. All right. What could possibly go wrong with this? All right. Well, first of all, um, I, I can imagine. What, all right. I can imagine. You're, you're driving down the street. All of a sudden, somebody, somebody starts shooting stuff at you. You know, how, how long is it going to be before somebody loses control of the car, smashes into a bridge embankment? They're dead. We live in a concealed carry world. How long is it going to be? before somebody pulls up next to a car, somebody with that paintball mask starts shooting out, and the person who is driving has a real gun and decides that they are going to return fire. All right, and yet you have this idiot who, and yes, I use that word meaning it, that goes on television talking about how, well, I, 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 I don't understand this. It's better doing this than shooting you know, people with real guns. Well, okay, maybe it is. But why in the name of God do you have to go out and shoot anybody with anything? Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Look, I like pranks as well as the next person. This is not a prank. This is dangerous. This is criminal. This is felony behavior. And anybody who is involved in shooting paintballs at people um, in on the game or not, 
on the streets of Milwaukee deserve to be arrested and charged with felonies. This will not, not end well. People will be seriously injured to the extent they haven't been already. Like I say, it is a concealed carry world. Somebody who has a bunch of guys with masks on roll up and start shooting at their car is undoubtedly, and I'm not encouraging this, but you know what the reaction is going to be. Somebody's going to return fire. They're going to say, hey, these guys with masks came and they started shooting at me. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And so to answer the guy who was on Channel 4 last night, my take is, yes, the police need to, as he says, roll up. They need to start seizing these weapons, and they need to start putting people in handcuffs. Look, I have friends of mine who play paintball. I've never done it myself. Great. Go out, play paintball, have fun. There's places that you do that. This does not belong on the streets of Milwaukee, and it doesn't belong targeted against individual people. And if the idea is, well, this is our way to stop street violence, give me a break. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's get started. I mean, this nothing good can come of this. And if this is the latest wave to make its move to Milwaukee, the people who are doing this are absolute morons. This is criminal stupidity. And, yes, their guns need to be seized. And, yes, they need to be arrested before people seriously get hurt. All right. Let's start with Tino in South Milwaukee. You're first. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Hi. Hey, yeah, I used to play paintball a lot, um, so much that eventually I had to become a judge at the place I played at to pay for my habit. <laughs> right. And um, they don't realize, I don't know if they if they have ever played on a on a, a official field, uh, they don't realize that if they hit somebody in the eye with one of these paintball guns, it'll literally knock their eye out of their head. Well, well, yeah, I mean, because these, especially like at close range and all, that's when when you go out and pay, play paintball, you you're wearing you all sorts of protection be, and stuff, right? Yeah, you don't even have to be at close range. You could be a good maybe 50, 100 feet away, and, and it would still do the same thing. Because when they, um, each gun, depending on the gun that you own, you could adjust the pressure. And one of the guns I had fired a paintball at uh, almost 480 pounds per square inch. Who thinks that it would be a good idea to be driving around the mean streets of Milwaukee wearing masks like you would if you were playing paintball and pulling up on unsuspecting cars and shooting paintballs at them. I mean, who, who would think that something like that could, you know, be a good, po- positive idea? Yeah, I have no idea who thought this up, but it, it really needs to stop before somebody really gets hurt. Now, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, harmless anti-violent activity here we're just going out we're, we're we've got people that are all worked up so here we're going to let them take out their aggressions instead of like shooting at each other which is not i guess i reject the notion that that's the option gee we either have to shoot at people and especially innocent people with paintballs or we have to take guns and shoot at people with guns why, why is that the why is that the choice that's out there but I think this is a very, very dangerous potential thing, and I think it needs to be stopped, like, right away. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And how do you think you would react if you pull up at a stop sign on, I don't know, Hampton Avenue or Capitol Drive or whatever, it's 1030 at night, and a bunch of people with masks pull up and start shooting paintballs at your car? 414-799-1620. The conversation continues. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1216. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
better than somebody out here fighting and shooting. Yeah, why not? You be angry, bro. Come on. We can sell this in this field. Come on. 1218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. That's a guy going on Channel 4 yesterday explaining why, yeah, let's take paintball guns, let's go through the city, and let's shoot people. What's the problem? All right, I have a text here. Jeff, it's stupid, but how prevalent is this? Is this really happening? Fair question. Here's the answer. Yes, since Thursday. All right, now we're sitting here, it's Tuesday. Milwaukee police are have been investi- they are investigating at least as of the time the Journal Sentinel story appeared earlier today, 65 reports of random paintball shootings. This isn't one or two. This is 65 over the course of the last couple days. That does not include the guy that was on his bicycle that got hit in the face yesterday um, at 11.15 last night. I mean, here's the way the Journal Sentinel reports it. Paintball uh, waves, wars have come to Milwaukee. Milwaukee police officers have responded to 65 reports of people, including two postal workers, being hit by paintballs in the past five days throughout the city. The most recent incident occurred Monday afternoon. No, actually, there was one Monday night. But the incident occurred Monday afternoon when a man walking with his caretaker was hit in the face by a paintball during a drive-by style shooting on the city's east side. So you've got three or four of these brainiacs who are cruising around the city. In this case, they're apparently, it's an older guy with his caretaker. Here, let's roll down the windows and let's shoot paintballs at these people. Oh, isn't that funny? And you've got some of these morons who are saying, well, gee, next thing that's going to happen is the police are going to roll up and take away our guns. Yes, they should take away their guns. They should put you in handcuffs if you've done this, and they should haul you away. And, yes, you should be doing jail time. 414-799-1620. Louise in Sheboygan. Louise, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Uh, my thought on that is simply that it's sort of scary when you hear a young man say, what are we doing wrong? And yeah. he really thinks he's not doing anything wrong. And it just shows how so many kids, they are not taught what's good, what's right, and what's wrong. Right and now, maybe, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. I played the report. Maybe he's saying, well, you know, it, it's it, if, if we get two guys or two groups of guys with paintball guns and they shoot at each other, that's better than shooting at each other. That they shoot yeah. at each other, that's better than shooting at each other with guns, which I agree. But yeah. that's not how this is playing out. This is we've exactly. got paintball guns. We're going to drive around the city. Let's shoot at cars. Let's shoot at elderly people. Mm-hmm. Let's have, you know, let's have fun. Ha, 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 ha. Well, it isn't funny. That's right. No, no, no. Thanks for the call. And and, and see, and and there's going to be some really bad stuff that happens like this. I don't mean I don't mean to be an alarmist, but first thing I thought of, I'm imagining I'm listening to these people that look, I, I remember I still remember this to this day. Years ago, I was driving north on 43. Um, right by um, Hampton Avenue, there's Lincoln Park, Park Golf Course, which is on the, the west side of the freeway. And somebody somebody apparently hooks, There's a, they have a hole that used to have an elevated tee. It runs parallel to the freeway. Somebody, like, hooked a ball, golf ball off the, off the, free, off the tee. It went onto the freeway. I'm driving, and all of a sudden, this golf ball 
bounces right in front of my car. Well, you know, another split second, it would have gone through the windshield of my car. But, I mean, it was everything I could do. All of a sudden, this thing bounces down. It's everything you can do to keep control of the car. I've always, that, I remember this to this day. I'm just imagining what's going to happen. Somebody's driving along, and you get yo-yos with masks pulling up and shooting paintballs at cars. Somebody's going to lose control of the car. They're going to slam into a bridge embankment. They're going to hit some pedestrian. This is a recipe for disaster. Or alternatively, like I say, and I'm not encouraging vigilantism, but somebody's, you know, somebody's going to be carrying around a gun, and they're not going to realize this is a paintball attack, and they're going to return fire. And you know what? It's probably, you know, probably going to be self-defense. This is just a bad, bad thing. And the fact that people don't understand it is mind-boggling to me. Al in Milwaukee. Al, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, hi. Uh, hi I'm a cab driver in Milwaukee, and I was dropping somebody off last week. I don't remember what day. Uh, and all of a sudden, I see there's a car driving backwards the wrong way, and a car, another car chasing it, and there's a guy sticking out of the sunroof and shooting with a gun. And I was, <laughs> I, I didn't, at first, I didn't know what was going on, and then I see the paint sign. Right, right. Yeah, but you, but, like, but, car, but my guess is, Al, cars are going all over. All you see is it's like a terrorist sort of thing. Oh my God, is this, is I this a, a yeah, is this, is this a shoot 'em up on the streets of Milwaukee? And, and typically these guys are wearing masks. So, oh my gosh, I mean, is, is this terrorism common? And, and I think, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Well, I, I got to imagine that, that, that cars are going to be driving all, I see, nothing good is going to happen. People are getting hurt. Maybe they're not getting killed by this. But if you do this at cars, people are going to lose control of the cars. This is a an accident waiting to happen, and they need to stop it. What about Ostenda? You know, that get hit like just by just the paint on the cars. Oh yeah, cars get ruined, and all that stuff has to be. Oh yeah. Oh well, right. Yeah, you've got the damage. Plus, I mean, these things, these paintballs are coming out at high velocity. So you know, one or two of the stories I was looking at, people are showing all the damage to their cars. They've got dents in their cars. I mean, so. This isn't, look, I mean, if the choice is, if you've got a bunch of thugs and, you know, do you want to go out to a field and shoot paintball guns at each other instead of shooting bullets? I'm all in favor of that. But that's not what this is. These are people, you know, roaming the streets of Milwaukee, picking out innocent people to shoot paintballs at, and the cops have just got to stop it. Now, thanks for call. Yeah, and if that means rolling up, if that means taking their paintball guns, yes. And anybody who has been involved in shooting paintball guns on the mean streets of Milwaukee at pedestrians, um, men with their caretakers, drivers, every single one of those people, yes, their paintball guns should be taken, and they should be taken away in handcuffs. It's nuts. John on the northwest side. John, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I'm probably going to be one of them that would shoot back if I was in a car. Well, I mean, I, I've got another, i got a note here. A guy says, I'm a concealed carry person, Jeff. Someone sticks a gun out a window at me. I'm not waiting to determine what the heck it is. And that, you know that's inevitably going to happen at some point and in time. And then the media is going to have a field day well, about concealed carry. Well, right. But, it's but their own fault. Well, exactly. No, thanks for the call. Again, I'm, I'm not encouraging vigilant, but I'm just trying to imagine this scenario, especially especially if people don't know that this is going on. And again, I, I wouldn't be talking about this if this was one isolated situation. 65 reports since late last week. 65, and that doesn't include the guy that got hit in the face um, last night, 
So you know this is going on. It is widespread. It's probably going to be occurring. And the people that are doing this feel bold enough to go on television and say, well, we don't understand what the big deal about it is. Um, now, maybe someone will say, well, we didn't know people are just driving around shooting at people randomly. But bad stuff is going to happen. There's just absolutely no question about it. And, look, I guess I, I just I reject this notion that, well, you know, the, the only solution to working things out with, with bullets is to, like, shoot at innocent people with uh, paintball guns. Nope, 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 nope. And anybody that does that, like I say, should be behind bars, period. Case closed. This is not a prank. This is not something funny. Bad stuff is going to happen unless we get a handle on it. 1227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1229, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I, I just, it never just ceases to amaze me. You know, what, what people would think would be a, a good idea. Yeah, let's take paintball. Let's put masks on. Let's go drive around the city of Milwaukee and let's start shooting indiscriminately at cars and people walking on the street with what turns out to be paintball guns. What a good idea. What possibly could go wrong with that? Well, to start off with, you're committing felonies, and maybe this is a situation where, uh, yeah, the, the police, and I, I get it, they're already investigating these sort of things, but I don't think these guys are being shy about you know who they are. Um, let's start arresting them. Let's start seizing their weapons. Let's start maybe putting them in prison, and maybe maybe they'll figure out a different way to blow off steam. Hmm. All right, summer and beer go together with the Milwaukee County Traveling Beer Gardens. Text Beer Garden, that is one word. Actually, it's not one word, but for our text purposes, we make it one word, B-E-E-R-G-A-R-D-E-N, to 799-1620 to get the full schedule of where you can find the beer gardens this year. So you can go on a beer run, B-E-E-R-R-U-N, beer run. 1235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Friend of mine, John. Sends me an email. Eight years ago, I was driving an ambulance. Lights and sirens on. I was hit three times with paintballs in the side of our unit. At first, I thought they were real bullets. Kind of scary. Yeah, no kidding. What could go wrong with that? All right. Big story number two. Today is the, I don't know how many years they've been doing this. This is the Day Without Latinos March. Um, And I don't want to be misconstrued here. Um. Today, they're, they're targeting Waukesha, the group. This is this is kind of put together by the sort of illegal alien rights group, Votres de la Frontera. Um, when they first started doing this a few years ago, the turnout was bigger. But they still got a lot of people out there. I don't, I don't mean to minimize it. Started at 10 o'clock at a park downtown in Waukesha, and then people marched down the streets getting over to the courthouse, and now there were people at the courthouse. The reason they're targeting Waukesha for, for today's event is, is because they are trying to pressure, this would be the group, we're trying to pressure Waukesha County Sheriff Eric Severson into, well, changing his position on something. Um, Severson has agreed to participate with the Office of Immigration and Custom Enforcement, that would be ICE, um, in what is known as the 287G program. Um, what this does is it allows deputized local officers to have the authority to issue immigration detainers on inmates who could be subject to removal. Now, let, let's back up so people understand what goes on here. Let us say that you have somebody who is illegally in this country, right, not allowed to be here legally, 
who ends up in a county jail, Milwaukee County Jail, Waukesha County Jail, Racine County Jail, whatever. They, they, they have committed a crime, right? So they're in the jail having committed the crime. They go in front of a judge for the crime that they have committed, and the judge says, okay, um, I'm going to set bail on you. Maybe I'm going to put cash bail. Maybe it's going to be a signature bond. All you have to do is sign your name, right? Well, the person, of course, they've committed a crime or they're accused of committing a crime in the United States, but they're not legally here in the first place. So what happens is um, immigration, federal immigration authorities in a perfect world are supposed to be notified and said, hey, you know, we've got Gru here. Gru is not legally in this country. He's been charged with robbery, but the judge has put a $5,000 bail on him, and he's getting ready to bail out. All right? Well, he's not allowed to be in this country anyways, but he's going to post the bail. He's going to walk out the door, and, you know, maybe we'll see him again. Maybe we won't. All right. Well, what happens is, under the law, the federal immigration people have the ability to put what is known as a detainer an immigration hold on GRU. Sorry to use this the example, my regular producer. But they could put an immigration hold on you. And what that says is, if, if he makes bail, rather than just releasing him so maybe he's going to take off, what can happen is immigration officials are to be notified, and then they can come in and they can decide, do we want to take him into custody? Um, and then go after him for maybe you know illegal entry into the country or hold him for deportation or whatever. That's the effect of a detainer. One of the things that goes on with these various sanctuary cities is they say, well, we're not going to cooperate with immigration. So we're not going to allow the immigration people to come in and, and put these holds on folks. So, you know, if we've got, in this case, Gru, who's here illegally, who's committed a serious offense, well, he bails out, and we're just going to let him go. Now, why anybody thinks that is good policy is beyond me. But in our politically correct world, that's what happens. Well, as part of this program, the way it works, and I'm kind of oversimplifying at this, but essentially with appropriate training and designation, in this case, the Waukesha County Sheriff can deputize, a couple of his deputies can essentially be authorized to act as immigration agents. So they have the ability to put a hold on people who are illegal, who are in the jail, who are illegally in this country. So they could put a hold on them so the folks wouldn't be released until immigration had a chance to decide, are we going to come in, are we going to take them into custody or not? All right? So they just, people illegally in this country aren't just going to be released um, to run or to commit other crimes or, or whatever. So that's what this whole thing is about. Two members of the correction staff are due to attend ICE training and certification starting in mid-June, um, and the sheriff says there's no timetable for when the program is going to be implemented. He, he told the newspaper his decision to join the program was about doing what's best for Waukesha County. He said the program will allow the department the unambiguous authority to work cooperatively with customs and honor detainers that are requested by customs for people who are already in custody and who already are believed to have committed crimes in our community, which, again, sort of raises this question. If you have somebody who's illegally in this country who's committed a rape, let's say, 
Why in the world would you think it would be a good idea to allow that person who really has no ties to this country, who's here illegally, to bail out and then just kind of disappear into the woodwork? Um, the sheriff in Waukesha says, my community, my constituents want me to work with ICE to make sure that if there are people in my county that are here illegally and that are committing crimes, that we don't just release them back into the community. Well, okay, this has drawn the attention of some of the people who are are active in the illegal alien movement. You know, what? why Why Waukesha? Small incidents, this is some of what people are saying, could snowball and lead to deportations. The executive director of this Voces de la Fratera group said the move is political, taking place as President Donald Trump has sought to crack down on illegal immigration. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This march today is in part aimed at trying to bring pressure on the sheriff in Waukesha County to essentially say, I'm not going to participate in this program. You know, we're not going to work hand in glove with immigration to make sure that people who are in this country illegally who commit or at least charged with committing serious crimes aren't just released back into the community. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, we have gone through the looking glass. My response is, uh, of course the sheriff should be doing this. And not only that, not only should this sheriff be doing it, but it would seem to me that every sheriff in the 72 counties throughout the state of Wisconsin should be doing this as well. I do not, for the life of me, understand how this is controversial at all. Bottom line is, if you have people who are in this country illegally and they are accused of committing crimes, yeah, before they are turned loose on the streets, don't we want immigration to have a shot at deciding whether they want to take them into custody? 414-799-1620. My response to it is, I'm glad these people are marching. I, I hope they enjoy the nice weather. That's all fine. But, Sheriff... Stick to your guns on this issue. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1244. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1247. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Yeah, it's 82 degrees outside. I think uh, if you listen really closely, there's this sound, this little voice saying, Jeff, Jeff. Go hit golf balls this afternoon when you get done with the radio. Sometimes you have to sometimes you have to listen to those voices in your head. It's something most of us don't like to think about until the time comes. Jane Matinair tries her hand at tombstone making. Huh. That's at seven fifty one tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. I've got a funny sort of related story. Maybe I'll tell it later. All right. Protests out in Waukesha trying to convince the sheriff to okay, back off from his plan to heaven forbid, cooperate with federal immigration authorities when people who are in this country illegally come into the jail having committed crimes. Hmm. Stephen in Milwaukee, good afternoon. Hello. Hello. Uh, hey, how's it going? Good. What do you think? Um, so, so, well, you know, I mean, I understand people's concerns about, um, you know, people that they feel aren't uh, playing by the rules, you know, but I, but I also, I don't personally... Uh, agree with all of the immigration laws that are currently on the books, but yet they are the laws. So, I mean, I get that point, but a lot of times it's not as simple as just some criminal breaking the law and getting deported. I mean, a lot of the people, um, you know, that are here uh, illegally have families that 
you know, their children are are citizens. Yeah. And but you know, let me focus you, Stephen. Though, but but that's that's not what we're talking about here. This is well, you're talking no. About, here's what the policy is. The sheriff is saying for people who commit serious crimes who come into my jail. All right. I want to have the ability to have them detained so that immigration can decide if they want to pick them up or not. I mean, we're not talking about doing roundups of folks on the street to decide if they're here legally or not. We're talking about people who have... So it's specifically for serious crime? Well, he says it's going to be serious crime, but it's people who are arrested and come to the jail. They're they're not talking about doing sweeps where we go out and we, you know... I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about somebody that, you know, they, they, they are driving with a suspended license or or an unpaid uh, speeding ticket, and they get pulled in, and they're they're in the system, and then they they get ejected from the country because of their status, and their children are left here, and and you know who, how are they? They're they're going to have to be taken in by somebody or taken back to a country that they've never lived. Okay, in. well, I, that that's not what the sheriff says how this okay. operates. He's looking at serious stuff. But let, let's let's well, take then, about then let's then talk I, about but let's talk about your example there. Okay. Okay. You have people who are in this country illegally, and they get arrested for for something. You know, let's say it's even a minor offense or whatever. Explain to me why you think it is that we should ignore the fact that they're here illegally. Well, like I said initially, I I don't necessarily agree with the current laws. I do understand people's desire to have, you know follow the rule of law, mm-hmm. and I I mean I'm not I'm not. Saying that it's okay to break that, but I think we need reform. Well, I do think that if we're looking at the the, 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 the numbers, um, there's actually a lot less uh, illegal immigration happening, and most of it is by people coming and staying over their their uh, like visitation time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're not actually crossing the border as the as the, as yeah. the national uh, you know like kind of uh, uh, storyline is going. It's 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 more people uh, coming and 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 trying to stay longer than they should. And and I think that the, the reform uh, needs to come in the opportunities. That it, you know, we select who can come in based on certain things. Certain countries have different, uh, you know, uh, uh, quotas than others. And I think for Mexico, it is very difficult. But yet we, we are seeing actually a decrease. We're actually seeing, uh, uh, you know, people going back to Mexico. Well, and I, I think, I mean, Steve, I, I think, I, I think, President Trump gets a lot of credit for that because of highlighting this type of issue. But I guess I, I'm, I mean, I, again, I look. I I will leave the the issue of you know reforming our immigration laws to people who are smarter than me on on these issues. And I I'm the guy that said, I mean, I, I don't think that you can deport 11 million or 10 million people who are in this country illegally. Um, I, I just don't think we have the resources to do it. But you, you do need to have have a start. And I guess to me, I, I think almost any reasonable person should agree that if you're in this country illegally and you are involved in breaking the law, you, you should be a top priority to get yourself out of this country or or simply not release. Because what happens a lot of times is, all right, you make bail. You're, you're an illegal alien. You are charged with a crime. You make bail. And then rather than come back and rather than show up and look at 20 years in prison, you just kind of like disappear into the system again until you're caught. For people who commit crimes, 
who are in this country illegally, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just don't think that reasonable people should disagree about whether or not immigration should at least have an, author- an ability. And here's the other reality of this. You know, immigration, and I back in another life, I mean, I, I kind of worked with these detainers in another life when I was a federal prosecutor a long time ago. I mean, immigration might decide, you know what, um, this crime isn't serious enough. Um, or there's extenuating circumstances, so we don't want to pursue the hold. You know, that that's fine. You know, we'll just give the person the notice and they can show up for a hearing or, or whatever. And, and that's all well and good. But don't, don't you think that immigration should at least be given the chance to do that instead of people just being, you know, released? Let's talk to Bill in Oconomowoc. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Oh, good morning, Jeff. Hi, good Bill. afternoon. Yes, sir. Um, great topic. Um, why is it now? You were in the look. You were a lawyer. You I, I am a lawyer. Yeah. Okay, great. You will get this front and center. Years ago, everybody turned their back the other way when it was illegal to hire those the same people you're concerned about, and the same people who did it and profited by it are now complaining. I believe they're the real responsible people to take care of the cost for the mess they created. Well, let me, let me, Bill, let me answer this. First of all, um, I, I think what you need to do is I think you need to break it into different sub. What we are talking about right now is not somebody that came over across the border and has been living in this country for the last 15 or 20 years and paying taxes and raising their kids. What we're talking about is a subset, arguably a small subset of that group of people who are, have been accused of committing serious crimes. So that's that's what we're talking about now. Now, as to your larger point about, you know, these industries which have looked the other way, which have taken advantage of or exploited or whatever word you want to use, used immigrant labor, I, I think you have a point. And, and candidly, I think anything you do, rather than building a wall, I think one of the things that you need to do if we're going to be serious about dealing with the immigration problem is you do need to crack down on the businesses that, you know, are using this labor. Now, that raises the issue of, you know, if you if you remove illegal people who are here illegally from, you know, this particular industry in Arizona or that industry in Texas or this industry in Wisconsin, will you have people that will fill the jobs? And, and that's another point. But at least for our purposes, I'm talking about people who end up in the jail charged with what the sheriff says are going to be serious crimes and to me yeah i i think i rather than just simply, simply turning them loose on the streets yeah i i don't have any problem at all with immigration having a chance to decide whether they want to hold them and whether they want to deport them you got to start somewhere and people who are either convicted of or accused of serious crimes i think that's a good place to start it's 1256 it's jeff wagner wtmj it's 108. This is Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, Jane's got this this thing on. She's a tombstone maker. Yes. That's, that's mm-hmm. the thing? Well, she's not a tombstone. Well, she goes she, and she... She does it. Yeah. I have two tombstone stories. Ooh. I, the one, one, I, one I need permission, but one is a reason. <laughs> I need permission before I can tell it. Mm-hmm. All these stop signs are going up. I need permission. But I, I have another one, and, and time passes. And um, I think, as, as everybody knows, I, my, I, I'm remarried. My first wife passed away a couple years ago. And... Um, we had not made any sort of preparation. So a very short time after she passed away, I, I'm 
I'm I'm getting the grave site. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm there, and it is a very short time, and I'm sitting there with with the lady who is I I, I find the the location, and then we're talking tombstones, and she says, okay, well, um, here here's the deal, um, if you get the whole thing filled out, it's cheaper. And I said, what do you mean, like the whole thing filled out? She said, well, okay, your late wife's name and whatever you want there, and then we can put your name on it too. Um, and then put your birth date, and then we'll just leave it blank for, you know, when you pass away. So getting it all done at one Get all time. Done at one. She said you can save $500, you know, because otherwise, you know, when you pass away, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to redo it. So what did you do? Well, okay, so I, I, <laughs> this is, I just, it's a very traumatic time, but even right. I, I can see kind of the, the humor in this sort of thing, and I, I said, well... I just don't think I'm comfortable about that because, but you know, it's amazing. You you go and wouldn't that be you, weird seeing your well, name but, but in the if, tombstone? If, if I will Jeff? tell you though, you see this a lot. Yeah, if you you know you go out, uh, you know, if if you walk around cemeteries, and stuff, you'll see this a lot that people. I have, have got seen it. that. Yeah. So and and that's what it. But it, it's she says it could save money, and she's actually I, I appreciate it. This woman was like looking out for money with me, and and I just I, I'm like I, I don't want to do it. And she said, well, you know, you can save five hundred dollars or whatever the number was. And I said, well. I said, finally, no, we're not going to go that route because I, I think, first of all, um, I, I don't think, I, at least I hope that, that that money's not an issue when that finally happens. That's number one. And, and number two, if it is, it's not my problem. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's just not going to you know, be my and, problem. And during that time, like you said, it's a very traumatic <laughs> yeah. event, and you're not even thinking about yourself right. when well, you're doing well, this. Well, no, but I am, I am thinking, you know, whenever I go out to this graveyard, I don't want to see my name <laughs> right. on a tombstone. I'm just sorry. <laughs> That's I did, a good point. Call me silly or yeah. whatever. I just don't want to see my, my name there. Yeah. Well, it, it was just, but they were looking out for me. So um, um, I have another story, but I have to get permission to tell that other story. But that was mine. So, Jane... I, I was just hoping that Jane wasn't like putting names on tombstones or something like that. And it's, we, we've got this Wagner guy here. You know, he's decided he wants to save the money. Tune in tomorrow. You'll be able to hear it. All right. Big story number three. Um, the fallout from Foxconn. Uh, I, let me back into this. I legitimately do not understand the hysteria that still exists with regard to Foxconn. To me, it is an offshoot of of what we described in 2012 of Walker Derangement Syndrome. I mean, here you have a company, cutting-edge sort of company, locating, willing to locate in Wisconsin. If all goes according to Hoyle, this company will bring probably 13,000 regular jobs. But that's just the start of it. I mean, they, they've already started their, you know, multiple, what, billion-dollar, you know, building process. So you're, you're hiring contractors. You're hiring suppliers. Um, you know, if you think building the new Bucks Arena, whatever it's going to be named, building the new Bucks Arena was good for the area. I mean, Foxconn is the Bucks Arena on steroids. And I do, I firmly believe that if we had a Democrat who was the governor, all these people who would be voting against it, oh, this is corporate welfare, whatever, would be falling all over themselves to have supported it. But because this was Donald Trump who apparently hooked up the governor with Foxconn, and because this is Governor Walker, well, now this is awful, this is terrible, 
And, and essentially, you're in a position of rooting for Foxconn to fail, which is mind-boggling to me. I still remember a couple of weeks ago an interview with one of the guys from Foxconn who was just kind of all taken aback at this, saying, "You know, we we just we're not understanding all this vitriol that's out there. You know, we normally it would be a good thing to you know want to have jobs. Now, there's no question that as far as incentives, there's no question that." You know, Wisconsin has provided a lot of incentives for Foxconn. But, you know, the, the truth is, the way it's spaced out is, in order to get the most of the incentives, they, they've got to deliver. And, you know, hopefully they will. If the Foxconn project, you know, fails, well, well okay, you know, they're not going to get all the money that's been promised. In, in many respects, I don't remember hearing people complain a couple years ago when the city of Milwaukee, um, at the urging of Tom Barrett, for example, um, gave these corporate handouts to Bonton, the parent company of Boston Store, in order to where we're gonna we're gonna re, we're gonna pay to redevelop that space and all these things in exchange for your promise that you're gonna keep these jobs here. Well, Bonton's going out of business, and there's at least a, a chunk of money that's lost, right? Well, I think Foxconn is a much more stable company than Bonton ever was, so you know you do have to offer incentives to get these companies to come. And, and yet there's still some people who are actually in a position of, I guess, rooting against Foxconn's success, which is just mind-boggling to me. Well, anyhow, th- there is a follow-up to this. And I, I, while I believe that you have to be willing to, in today's day and age, to offer incentives to get companies to come and stay, that's just the reality, um, there are limits so the story that's out today, and the Journal Sentinel is all over this, as is uh, Biz Times. Um, apparently, there's a, a gas, a gas, a glass supplier to Foxconn, Corning Inc. You know um, that provides the glass that they use that Foxconn uses in their manufacturing projects, and um, they are a big supplier to Foxconn. And what the ideal situation would be would be Corning, would open up their own facility near the Foxconn location, maybe even on some of the land that Foxconn has already acquired um, to provide the glass that they're going to be used in the manufacturing process for what Foxconn makes. So, again, you have this situation where you don't have to truck the glass, the raw materials, across three or four states to get it to Foxconn. You know, it, it's easier, it's simpler, it's quicker. So Corning, um, you know, anticipates that, you know, there, there could be hundreds of jobs that could be associated with just supplying what Foxconn needs. But what Corning is apparently saying is that, you know, if, if, you, if you, Wisconsin, want us to come and locate in Wisconsin, you're going to have to give us incentives as well. You know, you're going to have to not give us as much as you gave Foxconn, but you're going to have to um, do this. Um, What they say is that the company wants to keep 100% of revenues and profits, but pay no more than one-third of the cost to site a glass plant alongside Foxconn. So what they're saying is, well, you know, we, we don't want to, you know, we'll bring jobs. It'll create a couple hundred jobs, but we we want you, whether it's Wisconsin or maybe Illinois, we want you to pick up two-thirds of the cost of the facility. 
All right, our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess here's the question, and this is coming from the perspective of somebody who was and is a supporter of the Foxconn deal. The question is, how far do you go? Now you have all these other companies that do bring jobs and are going to be providing Foxconn with the materials. Do we offer them incentives as well? Do we spend not hundreds of millions, but millions or tens of millions to allow them to relocate as well? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. While Gru is lining up the calls, I'll, I'll give you my short answer, and my short answer is no way. I, I just I don't think there's any appetite for additional incentives. And to me, this now is a matter between Foxconn and its suppliers. I mean, if Corning, for example wants to continue supplying the stuff to Foxconn, and Foxconn is a big customer of theirs, I think Foxconn has every right to say, you know what, I mean, we want you to be close here, but that's something I think between Corning and the between Foxconn and the suppliers, I think at some point in time the state has to say enough is enough and let it go with that. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, again, I'm not talking about some of the minor stuff like, redirecting utilities and putting in a couple roads and things like that, some of the inherent infrastructure that you would do for anything. I think you would do that for any business. But if the idea is, here, we want you, taxpayers of the state of Wisconsin, to pick up two-thirds of the cost of our facility, the answer to that is easy, and that is no. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. At least that's how I see it. What do you think? More, more corporates giving more incentives now for suppliers to Foxconn? My answer is, nope, we've gone as far as we can go. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 118, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 121, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Look, I, I understand what, what Corning is talking about. They are a supplier to Foxconn. And obviously, Foxconn would love to have a facility where they're producing the glass that Foxconn then uses to install and what they make. They'd like to have it have it close. And obviously, I think it would be good for Wisconsin if you had another production facility um, down in that area. It makes sense all around. Now, the rub is the guy at Corning is saying, well, you know, we've decided that we're not going to make any additional investments. We're not going to build new facilities unless essentially, you know, we have somebody else pick up the tab um, $2 for every $3. That's kind of what their formula is. For every $1 we put in, we expect someone, in this case it would probably be the state of Wisconsin, to, to put in an extra 2 bucks. at which point I, I think one of the justifications for Foxconn, of course, wasn't just the 13,000 jobs. In addition, it was all the spinoff jobs. And I, and I think that there are going to be things like that. You're going to have... Um, a, a number of, for example, places that are, I think, whether it's grocery stores or restaurants or whatever, um, that are going to pop up in the Foxconn area to service the Foxconn workers. Um, I, I also think there's other businesses that are going to relocate to be closer to Foxconn. But at some point in time, I think you have to say no. And this is one of those examples. All right, it is obviously in the interest of Corning to want to be close to Foxconn. All right. So I think in this particular situation, if something's going to work out, 
You don't need the state of Wisconsin involved. Again, other than infrastructure, they want a facility. You put in the roads, you put in the utilities, that type of stuff. But as far as the state undertaking the ability to pay, I, I think at some point in time you have to say, no, this is something you guys work out. Um, Foxconn, as a large customer, I think has a lot of clout in saying to Corning, well, all right, this is how much we're paying for this. And by the way, if you're close to us, you're going to save all this money in transportation costs, and you know ultimately you're, you're going to get some payback for you know building the facility close. But this, to me, is something that is decided between Foxconn and between its suppliers. I, I don't think it is right to expect the state of Wisconsin to come out with generous subsidies for every business that might want to be near Foxconn. I mean, that's the whole idea of getting Foxconn here, that the other businesses will see it's advisable to them to be close. And at some point in time, you have to leave it to the private sector. I I don't think that you're going to see the state of Wisconsin wanting to fall over itself to give all sorts of incentives beyond, again, infrastructure. I mean, obviously, if you've got somebody that's got a plant and says, hey, we want to locate this plant, but we need some more roads or we need utility lines or whatever, that's a different story. But as far as, you know, we're going to underwrite two-thirds of the cost of, you know, building the facility, I think that idea is absolutely dead on arrival. If it needs to happen, well, okay, Foxconn can figure it out with its supplier. Candidly, it would be, it seems to me, the people that, like Corning, that want to be close to Foxconn, that's their economic incentive to do it. They're close to one of their major customers. It would just make good financial sense to do it. Just saying. It's 124. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 126, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Every hit, every pitch, every chance for the Brewers to put a W in the standings. Check out the full schedule on the site for your Brewers flagship, WTMJ.com. While you're there, check out our podcast page. We have a number of different podcasts up, including mine, and I know lots and lots of people check that out. I very much appreciate it. Good to see the Brewers get back on their winning ways. Actually, if if they could have avoided playing the Chicago Cubs, um, they would have one of, if not the best record in baseball. But they're 17 and 13. I think that's the number. Um, they've lost their one and seven against the Cubs. I mean, even if you just, even if you just say they were able to split against the Cubs, four and four. Okay. So that makes them um, what, like 20 and 10. That's one of the best records in baseball. Unfortunately, they just can't figure out a way to beat the Chicago Cubs, which pains me to say. And, if um, I were Mark Atanasio and David Stearns, that's what I'd be kind of working on. They've got a good team, maybe a special team, and I think I'd be trying to figure out, okay, what's that extra piece that we need to allow us to get past the Cubs? Because I think um, clearly, you know, at least right now, and I understand it's early, I'm not panicking in season and stuff, but there's enough of a sample size to say the Brewers can beat a lot of teams, but the Cubs seem to have their number, and Maybe you need that C.C. Stabathia-type player. Um, bring that in, and maybe it's just could be a special year. You'd hate to see them waste what I think, again, is going to be just absolutely special. I um, I had this worked up as a topic, and candidly, I, I don't know where to go with it because there, there's unanswered questions. Yesterday afternoon, the New York Times leaked, uh, did a story um, of questions that special counsel Robert Mueller apparently wanted to ask President Trump if President Trump were to agree to an interview. And it's a broad, wide-ranging thing. 49 different questions that were leaked to the New York Times. Now, the New York Times says the leak did not come 
from Mueller's office. Um, so these questions were provided to Trump's lawyers. They also said it didn't come from Trump's lawyers. So it means, you know, somebody who had access along the way were the ones that ended up leaking this. And there's these 49 questions, and they're broad and they're open-ended. Um, and the, the way, for example, the Times describes it is the open-ended queries appear to be an attempt to penetrate the president's thinking to get at the motivation behind some of his most combative Twitter posts and to examine his relationships with his family and closest advisors. Now, I read through these various things, and candidly, um, again, putting on my recovering lawyer hat, uh, no lawyer in their right mind would allow a client to sit and answer these type of open-ended questions being posed by a special counsel, whether you're the pre- by, a, by a prosecutor. Nobody would allow a client to do this because, uh, again, you have the special counsels or the prosecutors whose job is to see if they can find a basis to bring criminal charges. So I, at, on the one hand, there's no way that Trump would or should, I think, agree to answer these type of questions. The flip side is he's on the offensive today going after the leaks, so so disgraceful that the questions concerning the Russian witch hunt were leaked to the media. No questions on collusion. Oh, I see. You've made up a phony, phony crime, collusion that never existed, and an investigation begun with illegally leaked classified information. Nice. So he's challenging the, the leaks. If this leak came from somebody associated with the special counsel's office or somebody else in government that had access to this, that would be absolutely shameful and extremely unethical. New York Times isn't saying where its sources are, other than they're saying it didn't come from Mueller's office directly. Um, some people are saying, hey, this is Trump. Trump is arranging to do this leak because he wants everybody to see how broad and open-ended these questions are. It feeds kind of into the witch hunt theory, and you know he knows he's going to probably get the commentary from at least recovering lawyers like me, saying that you know no lawyer would allow a client to answer stuff of this. So I mean, some people are saying this is this great you know switch sort of thing that it was actually you know Trump who was behind the leaks. I, I don't know if that's the case. Don't know where the information come comes from. I doubt. I don't think it came from the Trump camp. I'll take the New York Times at its word that it didn't come from the Mueller camp. I, I do think it is disappointing that again. You have these investigations which are supposed to be conducted under the auspices of secrecy and grand juries and things like that, and that, that this ends up in the New York Times. To that extent, assuming that Trump was not involved in these leaks, um, I think he has a legitimate beef. It's 136, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Brewers' offense finally figured things out in Cincinnati, and now they look to win the series this evening against the Reds. Jeff and Lane are on the call, and our Brewers' coverage starts at 535. Yeah, nine-game road trip, and I think, again, losing four in a row to Chicago notwithstanding, I, I think most people in baseball would say, if you can break even on the road, and do well at home, that's the recipe for making the playoffs. And um, right now, nine-game road trip, Brewers won the first two in Kansas City, lost all four in Chicago, but won last night. So they're already three and four. If you know they can end up winning the next two games, for example, that's a positive road trip, and that's that's something to build on, even though, like I was saying a little earlier, they still got to figure out how to beat the Chicago Cubs. All right, it, one of the things that is so interesting to me doing this show on a regular basis is – we, we've gotten to a point in political discourse where you can't give credit to the other side for 
anything. An example, um, during the last hour of the show, I, I was talking about, we were, we were talking about immigration and this march that's directed at the Waukesha County Sheriff today, trying to talk him into, you know, changing his policy of being willing to, heaven forbid, cooperate with federal immigration officials. And some caller had made the point of, well, you know, Ill- illegal immigration appears to be down. And I said, yeah, I think, I think President Trump should get some credit for that. And I got this nasty text. Oh, it's just the, you evil right-wing radio conservative narrative there. It, uh, you know, it, Trump gets no credit at all. Blah, 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 blah. And I think that's frankly dumb. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, can you say that if illegal immigration is down, it's all because of President Trump's talking tough? No, but I think that that's, that's clearly a factor in that. Um, saying, okay, you know, we're going to emphasize border resources and things like that. And, and if you're so blinded by Trump derangement syndrome that you don't understand that, well, I, I can't help you. All right, which brings us to the question of North Korea. We have had conversations within the last year or two about whether or not, you know, you were going to have U.S. military strikes in North Korea, which is, of course, a very dangerous thing think we could all agree that we we don't want to you know we don't want to start world war three and the korean peninsula is a mess and the korean peninsula has been a mess since the end of the korean war in the 1950s the dictators in north korea have played the world and the united states as chumps for decades um, Republican administrations, Democrat administrations, you know, there have been promises and they've never followed through on them. North Korea made President Obama look silly. North Korea, I think, made President Bush look silly. And it got us to a point where you had this raging tyrant um, who's running North Korea, who's sending, you know, doing missile tests and things like that. To the point where I think a lot of people are concerned, gee, is this guy, is he really, if he gets the capability to put a nuke on a missile that can reach Hawaii, is that a possibility? Right? And we've talked a lot about that. Well, okay, things appear to potentially, and I say potentially, have changed. I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. And I understand that going back to the 90s, I mean, there were promises that North Korea made to disarm that all they were was kind of stalling tactics. So I, I understand that you have to be skeptical. But it appears over the last few weeks that there has been a major breakthrough with North Korea. You, you now have diplomacy between the leaders of South Korea and North Korea. You have a, a summit or at least a meeting where President Trump is going to be meeting with the leader of North Korea, and I say that in quotation marks, and the word that's out is that um, you know North Korea, and again, I, I understand that you got to be careful, and I'm not saying that you should just trust without verifying, but you know North Korea is, is sending out this message that they would abandon their nuclear weapons program if the United States would issue a promise not to invade North Korea and to um, reduce some of the sanctions that have been imposed on on the country. And apparently, the head of South Korea is encouraged by this. The premier of Japan is encouraged by this. Everybody is skeptical as to whether or not the dictator in North Korea is gonna, can be trusted. And I fully and totally appreciate that. 
And I think the United States needs to be skeptical. But if, and I say if, North Korea is in fact willing to abandon its efforts at, at nuclearization, and uh, I, I will add this, you know, one of the things that might be motivating this is there was reports the area where um, North Korea was doing some of its nuclear testing, that is apparently like collapsed. It was this mountain or something. It's collapsed and has apparently set back their program. I mean, that's what some of the intelligence analysts are saying. But let's assume for the sake of argument, again, for the sake of argument, that North Korea is sincere about wanting to come to the table and start to bring this country into the 21st century. They're sincere about willing to abandon their their nuclear program um, and start to become a part of, of the world. And what they want is a promise that the U.S. isn't going to um, invade North Korea and a loosening of sanctions. Assuming that we can get that result, does Donald Trump deserve some of the credit? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, I was jokingly saying Nobel Peace Prize. But seriously, given the fact that North Korea has been just a barnacle on the side of the world for decades, if, if in fact they are willing to abandon their nuclear program, would that have happened? It didn't happen under George Bush. It didn't happen under Bill Clinton. It didn't happen under Barack Obama. It is now happening under Donald Trump. And I guess as much as people hate to give President Trump credit for anything, I think the fact that there is, and I'm going to use the cliche, a new sheriff in town, the fact that you have a president who was willing to draw lines in the sand and uh, North Korea, unsure as to whether or not, you know, in, in fact, if you cross that line, would Trump do what Obama wouldn't do, what President Bush wouldn't do? I, I think if they're able to deliver, and I understand that that is an if, I think President Trump deserves a lot of credit. And, and yeah, I think if it was anybody but Donald Trump, if it was Barack Obama, you know people would be talking Nobel Peace Prize if this happens. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If it happens, does Donald Trump deserve some or maybe even candidly the lion's share of the credit? And my answer would be yes. Joni in Waukesha, you're first on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Joni. You know, whether you're a Trump supporter or not, which I happen to be, and, and you've been prepared very clear about this. Not in history has South Korea and North Korea gotten together, and I think the fact that Donald Trump has made some threats which nobody has ever done yep. made it sit and sink to the point, you know what, they could blow us right off the map. Yeah, I, I and I think, you know, and I, I think the North Korean calculation is, unlike Barack Obama, who might have talked tough about something, he was never going to follow up in any sort of meaningful fashion. I think part of the concern is Trump might just actually do what he says, you know? You are absolutely right. And from talking to my family members and everybody else, that's exactly what they said about Obama. Nobody was willing to step it up. And, yes, okay, we know he makes his mistakes, but he stepped it up. And I, I think it's a great thing that, that he wants us maybe try to get along, and, and let's, let's, let's hope that that's what he wants well, to 
too. Well, well, right, and exactly, and again, I, I'm not naive, Joni. I mean, I, I don't know. North Korea has made promises before, like I say, going back to the 90s, and has never followed up. So, I mean, it's it's like trust and hope, but but verify. But at the same time, it looks like you're on the verge of some historic breakthroughs, and I firmly believe that would not have happened if Trump was not the president. And I think, you know, that you got to give the guy credit for that, or at least I think he should get credit for that. You're exactly right, and and if it, I think it's great. Um, thank, thanks for call. Appreciate it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. We pick it up right there, and I understand having this conversation. Heads are exploding, but. If this were Barack Obama in the White House, seriously, and we were talking about a summit meeting or a meeting, the, the conversation would be Nobel Peace Prize. It won't be that because it's President Trump, but maybe it should be. If you're on the line, please hold on. 146, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 149, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Here's some of the text. Nobel Peace Prize for Trump, absolutely. Finally, someone with testicles. That doesn't bow down to world leaders. Another text. Yes, I believe President Trump should be nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize, but everybody knows that will not happen. Another one. Jeff, you're correct. If the Nobel Prize isn't given out for this incredible feat, assuming it occurs, then what should it be given out for? That's from Brennan. Again, I, look, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm trying not to put the cart in front of the horse to, again, use another one of these cliches. And, and North Korea has played the world community for, for decades. I think something I think something has changed and I think the leader of, of North Korea, number one, I, I mean Donald Trump has I, I think helped mobilize world opinion to marginalize North Korea even more. I think on top of that, um I, I don't think the leader of North Korea I, I don't think he knows how to read Trump. And, and I think, you know, when when Trump talks about essentially, you know, bombing them back to the Stone Age, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't know that he used that phrase, I I think that um, North Korea might be a little bit afraid that that might be exactly what happened. So, But if if that kind of rhetoric can help draw them into the 21st century and reach some sort of accord with South Korea and stop threatening Japan, well, that's an accomplishment, and I think a lot of it is laid at the feet of Donald Trump, not all of it. But if that happens, I think maybe a lot of it. Uh, David in Mequon. David, you're on WTMJ. And thanks for taking my call. Hi, David. Sure. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, I think you just pointed out, I think the with uh, the North Korean leader, that he probably is thinking twice because if you look at what's happened with Syria and with the sanctions against China and yeah. the fact that he's gotten China to say, hey, listen, you got to cut off the money and supplies to North Korea, that is definitely a huge factor because China never really kind of listened to us. Yep. This time, they seem to be listening to us because he has followed through with what he said he's going to do, which is very unusual because all the past presidents, they, they've always talked about certain things, but they never never pushed it. Yeah, and, and he, time, and he is. Time, it's actual action. Right. I, I, I think, you know, and I, I think he is. Now, I, I've got a... Now, obviously, I've got a bunch of Trump haters who listen, and uh, North Korea is going to play Trump, this is a text, play Trump like a cheap guitar. Will Trump get credit for that, too? Well, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, David, but I, I mean, I think North Korea has played played Barack Obama like a cheap guitar, um, arguably maybe, you know, President Bush. 
I think there's a different dynamic with Donald Trump. They don't know exactly what he's going to do. He's got that unpredictability, and well, nobody and, wants to test it. And keep in mind, Jeff, that we kind of, for a long time, we appeased the North Korea with, with Bill Clinton. He gave them, you know, money right. to you do their nuclear operations. And then if you look with Barack Obama, he kind of just basically ignored them. Anytime there was some sort of rhetoric, he never really answered it. So right. I think they gave him encouragement to even do more of what he wanted to do. And now he's finally met his match, I think, as far as, okay, maybe maybe something well, bad could happen. Well, well right. No, th- thanks, thanks for calling. And maybe it is that somewhat of that, that unpredictability. Now, again, I, I maybe this is all going to fall apart. And I, I'm not making any predictions one way or the other. But, I mean, all these signs are, are positive. You've got the meeting with South Korea. You've got the stuff that happened during the Olympics. You've got, you know, Japan's prime minister starting to come in. And I just think it is fair to criticize President Trump when he does stuff that is worthy of criticism. But seriously, if you could honestly get North Korea to do away with its, you know, efforts to become a nuclear threat, the world is a better place. And if you think that that wouldn't have happened without Donald Trump, I, I think, you know, four more years of Obama wouldn't have gotten us any closer to that because eight years of Obama didn't get us any closer to that. Let's talk to Joe in Chicago. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, Mr. Wagner. Hi, I Joe. You know I really love your show here well, in Chicago. That, I listen to it whenever I get a chance. It's one of the best. Let thank you. Tell you. That's very you kind know, of you. Regarding this North Korea thing, my opinion, North Korea is taking Trump very seriously. Every time Obama drew a line in the sand, it was nothing but quicksand for the U.S., okay? Kim Jong-ding-dong, that's what I call him, the head of uh, North Korea there, you know, he sees Trump getting tough with Syria and taking military action against Syria. And don't kid yourself, Kim Jong-ding-dong sees this. This country is internally suffering because they need all kinds of provisions. And during this whole ordeal, China doesn't win either, you know, when it comes to military buildup or escalations and... You know, I want you to know I'm a Trump Democrat. I voted for Donald Trump because I voted for democracy last election. Mm-hmm. Okay, And, you know, this all ties into immigration, too, which bothers me, is that you tell all these Democrats, and I'm a Democrat, and believe me, i got a lot of odds with them all, uh, they, when you ch- go to bed at night, you check your windows. When you go to bed at night, you check your doors. When you go to bed at night, you check your family. So why shouldn't this country check its doors and windows? Joe, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I don't want to get back to immigration, but I, I think you're... Look, I mean, here, here's what I think the dynamic is that's going on. I think also I would not be surprised if China is playing a role in this behind the scenes because that's what we've been talking about for the longest time. You, you need, I mean, China has been, China and to a lesser extent Russia has been pop, prop, propping up North Korea. And, you know, it's clear that one of the things that's been going on is the U.S. has been putting pressure on China to try to force them to, uh, again, get North Korea to abandon some of the more dangerous aspects of what they're going on. And you're exactly right, Joe. I mean, China doesn't benefit from having this lunatic, you know, who's going to be lobbing missiles, you know, into the Sea of Japan. I I, I don't want to be too optimistic because people have been played, people have been disappointed before. But the truth of the matter is, if you're able to reach an accord, if you don't think that at least part of that was due to this American president, you are not grappling with reality. Now, will he get credit in the Washington Post or the New York Times or on MSNBC or NBC or ABC or CBS? No. But in the real world, yeah, I think he will deserve credit if they're able to deliver. It's 156. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Belinda, I'm going to do you a favor. Okay. I, I, I am. I, I might help you make some money and stuff. Sweet. Okay, so here's the deal. Kentucky Derby is this Saturday. I know. 20 horses running. Okay, this is my service. Um, and this comes from somebody who is, I do play the ponies um, a lot. Um, here is here is my advice. I am, in the next couple days, I'm going to figure out the four or five horses that I like in the Kentucky Derby, you know, to match with, like, exactas and superfectas and trifectas and stuff. I'm going to tell you those five horses, and then if the last 25 years are any indication, when you're trying to figure out what horses to bet on, if you just throw out those five I like, chances are you will have narrowed down the field. Okay. See, there there you go. You can say, okay, well, got to figure this out. There's 20 horses running. Wagner likes these five. They have no chance of winning at all. And then, you know, it, it's, it's, my, it's, my, it's culling the herd. You know, that, that's exactly it. So you can just say, okay, those five... Even if it's the best horse, it's gonna the jockey will fall off, or it'll throw a shoe, or whatever. So, it's it's been rough at the Kentucky Derby over the years. So that's that's my contribution. I'll help you out. I'll actually help the listeners out as well. I will I will share the horses that I like with the proviso that bet the other way, and you will probably be you will probably do well. We're narrowing down all chances. Hey, exactly. It's it. And matter it it was I I was down just the other day with my friend Paul. Paul runs the. Uh, Potawatomi race book and all, and the Kentucky Derby is a big day down at Potawatomi. And we were talking. I said, "Well, I, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell the listeners my five, and they can throw them out." And this is the guy that runs the race book. He said, "Well, okay, I'll tell you my five, and then given history, throw those two out. So by you know, we'll eliminate ten probably, and so make it easier for everybody else." Sounds good to me. See, we're thank there. you. Kentucky Derby coming up on Saturday. All right. Hey, here's some breaking news story, and it's by the way, it's actually it's going to drive some people nuts. But it's actually a very, very good thing. The um, for years and years, there has been this this issue of air quality in southeastern Wisconsin, and um, we have in Wisconsin. It's why we have to use the garbage gas, the, the reformulated gas, because the EPA has the, these various rules saying, "Hey, in southeastern Wisconsin, in particular, there's you know too high an element of of pollutants and." What they, they really mean is on like really hot summer days, if you go and you do measurements right along Lake Michigan, you find these inflated numbers of ozone and so, amounts of ozone. So as a result of that, you know, we've had to do things like deal with the reformulated gas. Well, in the last year, last couple of years, the EPA ha- has put even stricter federal ozone regulations um, in place. Thank you, President Obama. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to uh, apply this to Milwaukee, Ozaki, Sheboygan, Manitowoc, Door, and Kenosha counties, saying, hey, you know, these new tougher rules, you know, we you're going to be in violation of these new tougher rules. And one of the things that Governor Walker and a lot of people, including myself, have been saying is that the, the whole methodology is just all screwed up. It's not, in most respects, it's not pollutants that are coming from Wisconsin, what happens, and again, this particularly happens during the summer, you've got the industrial areas of Chicago and Gary, Indiana, and the wind blows a certain way, um, and you've got the hot, hazy summer days, and yeah, if, if you have these tests, yes, it will show that you've got these inflated levels along, you know, again, the lake counties, but the problem is it's not the pollution we're not polluting. You know, Wisconsin isn't polluting. You're getting the stuff blown in.
from, again, Illinois and from, you know, northern Indiana. So, okay, why deal with that problem, not the fact that this isn't homegrown? So in any event, the EPA today, in a decision that will probably have some environmentalists, you know, the folks that don't like manufacturing and industry and cars, um, they're going to be screaming, the EPA has sided with Governor Walker. And as a result, the, these new, higher, these tougher ozone standard limits are apparently going to be limited to, again, very narrow strips along the, the lakefront. Um, and we now, Milwaukee, Ozaki, Sheboygan, Manitowoc, Door Counties, aren't going to have to be subject to these tougher ozone standards, which would, again, I think really kind of hamper business and not really do anything because... The problem, in large part, to the extent that you've got issues with air quality, is, again, during the summer, particularly where you've got the pollutants that travel from Illinois and from Indiana. So um, this is a, a very good step, even though, like I say, some people's heads are going to explode. All right. In the last segment of the program, we were talking about um, whether or not President Trump deserves any credit at all if you're able to broker a, a, a peace accord with North Korea. And, and my answer is, yeah, I, I think he, he does. Well, okay, this the part of the reason he's not going to get any credit is, of course, the fact that you've got the mainstream media that, that's not going to give him any credit, but also the fact that you have so many people that are just so completely, totally, 100% committed to being the anti-Trumps. Um, you've got a, we've got an election coming up in November of 2018. Uh, there are some people who think that there is a chance that Democrats riding this blue wave um, are going to be able to retake both the House and the, the Senate. I am more and more, I am skeptical of that. I think you're now starting to see a backlash from the the anti-Trump hysteria that's out there, which isn't to say that the man doesn't deserve criticism, because he he does from time to time. But it's just this pure vilification that I I think is starting to turn off a lot of people and, you know, start to kind of bring the folks that elected President Trump back to the voting booths. But here's one of the big issues that is playing out, and that is the question of impeachment right now. There is no chance that President Trump gets impeached, at least this year, because Republicans control the House and the Senate. One of the things that is playing out is there's a number of Democrats who are running for Congress, and they are raising money based on promises that if they're elected and Democrats retake control of the House, impeachment will be one of their priorities. Uh, crazy Maxine Waters, the congresswoman from California, she said over the weekend that 70% of Democrats want to impeach the president. Um, there's this uh, con- congressman out of Texas raised $6.7 million in the first quarter for his Senate bid. He's running for Senate, um, saying that he's pledged to vote in favor of impeachment. So you've got this issue that is now bubbling to the surface. People saying, vote for us. We are going to impeach the president. All right, our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's always difficult to figure out what is going to play. And I understand in the fever swamps of the left, 
uh, impeachment is probably something that motivates people to open up their checkbooks and write checks to the people who say they're going to do it. At the same time, if you want to talk about a backlash, I think this is it. Very similar to what happened in Wisconsin in 2012. There might have been people who disagreed with what Governor Walker was doing when he started to talk about Act 10, but but they didn't think it was worthy of of a recall election, and they didn't go along with it. I think if, number one, you want to motivate conservative voters to come out and vote for Republican candidates, make impeachment an issue, because I think that will motivate them. Number two, I think there's a lot of people in the middle in this country, there's still people in the middle, um, who do in fact vote, who who don't want to hear issues of impeachment. They view that as an distraction and as inappropriate, even if they don't particularly care about President Trump. Now, obviously, that dynamic changes if the special counsel issues charges or things like that. But putting that aside, just from a purely political basis, I think running for Congress or running for Senate on a platform of impeachment overall is not a good strategy. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should the president be impeached based on what we know now? And do you think that is a winning strategy for candidates to run? Would you be more likely to vote for somebody who says, you elect me, I'm going to vote to impeach Donald Trump? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're on the line, hold on. We discuss in just a moment. It's 217. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 220, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. A top military official says there are big risks in President Trump meeting with North Korea's leaders. John McCure has the details. Tune in, 520 today on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Okay, 414-799-1620. It is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, One of the thoughts that's going on here is that impeachment running this year saying, hey, if you elect me, I promise I will vote to impeach the president. Um, that's that's a strategy that is being employed to raise money for several Democratic candidates. I understand that that has a superficial appeal, and obviously for the, the red meat, we hate Donald Trump crowd, that's going to work. I think the potential for backlash is huge, and if you want to stem a, a blue tide, make impeachment the central issue. Let's see, Kevin and Muskego sends me a text. Impeachment would be a total overreaction and backfire big time. Ask the Democrats here in Wisconsin how well impeachment slash recall worked out for them here. You know, that that's actually, you know, it, it's, it is interesting. If you go back to 2012, when you had the... The, the, the Walker derangement folks and some of the outstate union people and some of the crazy, you know, protesters that would show up, you know, and um, they they were pushing this. And there was a lot of Democratic leaders who said, wait, we you know, th- this is not the way to go. Recall isn't the way to go. But th- this was this movement that could not be stopped. So they kind of got dragged along with it. The recall election failed and Walker then went on, you know, to win handily in 2014 um, it was kind of like the mob rule. I, I think there is a similarity to this. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, is it Rain in Ohio? You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, to your point, I just say that I think that impeachment is a great strategy for Democrats in terms of motivating them for you know, getting out and doing what they 
wanted me to do. Like, it's an emotional thing, which seems to be what, you know, spurring them on. If you watch any of, you know, like the major news networks, it's not really, you know, logical or based on facts. It's based on the, like, underlying, like, hatred and right. emotion that, you know, Trump sucks. Well, let me just ask the flip side of that, though, is, yeah, and, and I understand that that's like that red meat for, you know, a, a certain part right. of the electorate. Does that, though, does that then become, you know, I, again, I'm using cliches, what's so good for the goose is good for the gander. Does that then motivate maybe some of the conservative voters who've kind of been sitting stuff out? Does that irritate them, and does that motivate them to go out and campaign against that impeachment strategy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good question to put as to whether or not ultimately it'll work out for him. Right. But if you look at, you know, 2016 when the election with Trump, I think a lot of that wasn't really, you know, completely based on, you know, logic or rationality, but it was this, like, deep emotive quality that, you know, there's something going wrong. Like, we don't really know, like, exactly what it is. But we feel this way. I mean, yeah. you know, that's what gets people out of their homes to vote on. Oh, oh, oh no. Thanks for calling. There's no question about that. I mean, I, I continue, I just continue to believe that the, the, the 2016 election, in hindsight, was just simply a rejection of Hillary Clinton. I, I, I think, you know, um, pure, pure and simple. Now, did, did Donald Trump tap into you know, some elements in, in this country that felt that, you know, people had just been passed by and all, um, you know, he he did. Um, you know, that I think that unquestionably he did. But I, I just think, I, I think that there's a lot of people out there who, first of all, if you're a Trump supporter or a conservative, you don't want to see this country. And again, Robert Mueller comes down with charges. That that changes the dynamic. But that's not what they're talking about now. They're talking about, hey, we're going to impeach him just because we don't like him. We don't like his style. We don't like his tweets. We don't like his hair. We don't like him. And so we're going to use this impeachment. And I think there's a lot of people out there. First of all, you've got the supporters, and that's going to irritate them. I want to use a different word than irritate, but you know what I'm thinking about. And then I think there's a lot of people just in the middle of the road who think, Wait, he, he hasn't done anything that that's impeachable. I mean, that's a big, big deal. Um, no, we're not going to be part of this. Jerry in Appleton. Jerry, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Uh, hi, Jeff. Thanks hi, for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit worried, and then I'm going to play into what you're asking about, about some of the Trump voters, because I have that feeling that they're like, well, you know, in 16, we, we went out to vote for Trump, and then we'll vote for Mike Gallagher, who was my congressman. Right, but good guy. Now in, two, now, in 2018, Trump's not on the ballot, and I'm going to go out just to vote for Mike Gallagher, you know, because those guys are all alike anyway, you know. And I've been using since the first of the year, I, I've been letting them know, because I get into a lot of circles. I'm very active where there's a lot of Trump voters, and, and I said, well, you know, I said, if Nancy Pelosi's the Speaker of the in 1919, the first thing they're going to do is impeach Trump, and then it's like their mouth jaws dropped yeah. open. You know, it's kind of like, you know, hey, Trump needs the Republican Congress as much as we need to keep Trump in office. So, I mean, it, it's uh, that's oh. what I've been using as motivation. Well, and I think that's a really valid point, Jerry. I mean, I, I think that that is. And I think, matter of fact, there were a couple of stories out the last few days about how President Trump is starting to come to kind of that realization, too, that, you know, I mean, he needs this help save Republican Congress. So, no, thanks right. for calling. I, again, I, I see I that's that's kind of the point I guess I'm making. I think this cuts both ways. And I understand how, again, you have some people who are going to raise a whole bunch of money uh, appealing to the red meat of the liberal base. 
The problem is you risk, you really risk motivating a lot of people who maybe, maybe have kind of sat out who just say, no, that's, that's not the way you respond to it. And again, I think the analogy of what happened in Wisconsin in 2012 is, is a good one. Um, might Democrats decide to pursue impeachment? Yeah. Would I be talking about it? No. 227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, last, well, several months ago, the the Boy Scouts of America announced that they were going to change policies, and they were going to start allowing girls to join scouting. And it's just starting to roll out right now. Um, The way it works is that by next year, you're going to have um, girls are going to be allowed to participate in Cub Scouting. And um, the plan is, is ultimately that you're going to have girls that are going to be allowed to be in Boy Scouts. Um, here's, here's what they do. Starting this summer, all Cub Scout councils for children aged 5 to 10 will be open to girls. Next year, girls aged 11 to 17 will be allowed entry to the Boy Scouts with the opportunity to reach the highest rank of Eagle Scouts. Now, there's some people who are traditionalists in the Boy Scouts who don't think this is necessarily a good idea, but it's it's what's been decided. One of the things that appears to be, well, beyond argument, is that it it appears to be a success. Like I say, they've done a a sort of slow rollout um, of this, and I'm looking at a story in the Chicago Tribune today where um, what they say is that they say already nationwide – um, just in their slow rollout, um, about 3,000 girls nationwide have joined the Cub Scouts. These are, these are young girls. Here's the flip side of this, though. Um, this is, in large measure, coming at the expense of Girl Scouting. Chicago Tribune again today. Girl Scouts of Northern Illinois, just that, that Girl Scout Council, has seen a 2.5% decline in membership so far this year when almost all the the new scouts join and the expectation is moving forward that while some of the people some of the girls who sign up to be a cub scout while some of those are people that wouldn't have participated in scouting anyways um i think most people believe that this is this is going to be a cannibalization. By that, I mean most of the people who sign up to join Cub Scouts, most of the girls, are people that would have been brownies or would have you know joined Girl Scouts, but instead they're choosing Boy Scouts because of the variety of activities that are offered. So on the one hand, you're opening up this opportunity of scouting, uh, Boy Scouting, to, to girls. At the same time, you're hurting, at least arguably, hurting Girl Scouts. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I just want to do this for one segment, but I, I am a huge supporter of scouting. I I think, candidly, and I'm a bit of a traditionalist, I I'm just think in my mind the jury is still out about whether it's a good thing um, to you know mix, especially at the Boy Scout level. You know, the, the Cub Scouts, okay, that might be a different sort of thing. and But, you know, now the fact that you, you have – I think there's a value. I mean, I, I think that there is a value to having boys do stuff separate from girls. I think there's a value, especially at that young age. But I've been outvoted on that. I mean, here's my issue. What is the future of Girl Scouting going to be? I mean, is this going to essentially, and Girl Scouts, 
Girl Scouts have been struggling more than Boy Scouts have over the years. Is this going to hurt Girl Scouts? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, this is it, it is a sort of controversial thing, and I have some issues with it in general. But it's happening, and I think it's going to happen at the expense of Girl Scouts. 414-799-1620. And there's a lot of people in Girl Scouts who think this was the intention all along. Boy Scouts were concerned about perhaps some dropping enrollment, so they decided to essentially poach Girl Scouts. Suzanne in Menominee Falls. Suzanne, you're first. Hello. Hi. Good afternoon. Hi, Thank Suzanne. Thank you very much for taking my phone Yes, ma'am. Call. What um, do you think? My two boys were in Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, right on through with their father. It was a great time for them to go out. They did overnight camps. I, right. I think when you introduce girls into this, I think we're going to end up having some problems. Mm-hmm. If, well, if it's that the Girl Scouts don't have a variety of activities, that's their fault. They need to step up to the plate, I feel. What, yeah, I, you know, and, and I guess that's, that's always been, that was kind of one of the points I've always thought about, too. If, if the problem is that the Girl Scouts programming doesn't attract enough girls, well, then maybe they need to change the programming, I, I, I would think. But your, your big concern is, like, especially as the kids get older, the camping stuff and all, that leads to, you just think that's going to lead to problems. I think when you go through and you take an eight and nine-year-old for an overnight camp out, and it, it's a tight group, I think, when you start introducing girls, because that girls are very private then. They, they don't want somebody looking at them as they're getting dressed or well, getting undressed. Yeah, no, I got it. Okay, thank, okay I got it. thanks for the call, Susie. I appreciate it. I mean, I, I do, I mean, I, I think there's ways that you can deal with that. I mean, my bigger concern was, is there a, is there a you know, are, are there programs it, does it help development to have you know programs that are like two tracks, one for the girls, one for the the boys? I do think though that this is one of the maybe unintended consequences. I think the gains that Boy Scouts are seeing is going to come at the expense of of Girl Scouting, which was and and you're already starting to see that a little bit. And then you got to wonder is that a good thing? Judy in Burlington. Hi, Judy. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Um, I am a parent of both a Cub Scout and a uh, cadet Girl Scout. Okay. I have been my daughter's leader since we were in kindergarten. Okay, help me and out. Is that is cadet? Is that okay? You, you they still have they still have, so, so cadets are sixth, seventh, and eighth. Graders. Okay, and be, before that, is it brownies? Is that what it is? Uh, Daisies, brownies, juniors, then cadets. Got it. Correct. Okay, so cadets are like the equivalent of like a a Boy Scout. Yep. Okay. Got Lower it. Lower level boy. Yep. Got first, it. Okay. First year, second year Boy Scout. Got back. it. Okay. And we have really a strong both Boy Scout and Girl Scout program at our school in Burlington. And I don't think we're going to see the crossover uh, just for that reason, because we have strong leaders in both areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, your previous caller with commenting that getting boys and girls together on camping and that type of thing, that's not what's going to happen at the Boy Scout level. There has to be separate at the at the right. Cub Scout level, there has to be separate desks. Boys then, girls then, they are not combined. And that's, that's 
the way it is at this point. Uh, let's let me talk kind of big picture. Do you? And again, you're. In your area, you're saying, okay, we, we've got really strong programs and we don't think there's going to be a lot of attrition. Um, obviously, at least in other places across the country, they're, they're already starting to see some of that. And I, my sense is it's going to kind of increase. Do you think, big picture, this is going to hurt Girl Scouts across the country? Maybe not in a particular council or whatever, but big yeah. picture, you think it's going to hurt them? I, I think it will when there are, you have uh, girls that want to get out and get camping. Um, that is where I feel. I was a Girl Scout uh, when I was younger. I am a Gold Award Girl Scout, which is the equivalent to the Eagle Scout Award at the Boy Scout level. Okay. And we went camping. We were outside. We went and did stuff. Right. That's what, and that's what my girls like to do, so that's what we do. We're going to be out and about and doing high adventure and going camping and doing, doing all of that stuff. So right. if that's what they want to do, that's what we're going to do. Right. You know, and of course, that's what, I mean, you know, Boy Scouts has allowed girls to participate on the Explorer level for a number of years now, you know, which is Correct. the, and so, yep. um, interesting. Well, thanks for call. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. Allie in Mequon. Allie, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi. My whole point for the Girl Scout, Boy Scout argument is, well, one thing, they could obviously do a merger at some point and just create a scout system. And that would solve the area that you were talking about where you do have the girls separated from the boys for a little while and still keep them together. But when I was growing up as a Girl Scout, I was a brownie. It just seemed like all of the pressure was cookies, 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 nothing else right. that really mattered. And when we did go outside, we just played with games like Red Rover and stuff. And now I'm actually a professional landscaper. I'm a girl who loves getting our hands dirty and when I was a brownie, we didn't really do any camping or real right. outdoor activities that got us dirty, that let us exercise and just run wild. And it kind of goes back to the antiquated thing of boys will be boys, boys like to rough house. Well, so do girls. Right. Right. Well, you would, right. You want to do something other than just push Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> I mean, no, I, well, I, I, don't I, mean I to smirch the Girl Scouts. No. I did make a, a lot of good friends while I was a brownie, but did really feel like a lot of the focus was the cookie sale. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I think you're right. I see. I, I've believed this all along. I mean, obviously, Boy Scouts by doing this, they're they're trying to, I think, you know, increase their ranks. But also, I think they feel that there is a niche that's out there, and maybe it's a large niche that that's not being served by the Girl Scouts. Because if Girl Scouts was providing the kids what they needed, why would you want girls? Why would why would a girl join the Cub Scouts unless maybe her you know sibling is in it or something like that? But I I, I think you're right. I think this is more a reflection of the programming that you have at Girl Scouts, whether it's emphasis on cookies or whatever, than it is like anything else. And I, I think the Girl Scouts, I, I think they have to change or, or really suffer. Right. And I mean, even when I was a little kid, I had left Brownies, and I was at the bookstore with my dad one day. I picked up a Boy Scouts handbook at the bookstore mm -hmm. because I wanted to learn how to tie the knot, how right. to yeah. sharpen a knife. I mean... There are definitely some things that you have to really watch what these little girls are doing and what the little boys are doing equally. I mean, when they teach knife sharpening and stuff like that. But there's also the greater message of community outreach. You see a lot of activities with the Boy Scouts where they're at senior homes visiting and stuff, and you don't really see that with the Girl Scouts as much. 
Interesting. Interesting. Thanks for the perspective. We're going to take a couple more calls on this. If you're on the line, please hold on. Um, the early returns are in, and, and you do have a lot of girls that are signing up to join the Cub Scouts. Um, I think that trend is going to continue, and I think it is coming expensive Girl Scouts. What's going on with that? 247, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Uh, 250, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Here's a text. Jeff, I was a Girl Scout growing up in the 80s. Our troop was very active. We sold cookies so we could do things like go camping and take trips. I continued in Girl Scouts, and I went to Girl Scouts Center West in Wyoming, went overnight camping on horseback for a week. We went down to Georgia to the Girl Scouts Center East, had an amazing time because our leaders were willing to go camping. The problem, in my opinion, is that Boy Scouts are a lot more organized than Girl Scouts are. My son is a Boy Scout now, and the majority of the things they do are very regimented and very detailed and set out for you. Uh, the Girl Scouting program kind of wings it. Uh, let's talk to Kathy in New Berlin. Hi, Kathy. Good afternoon. Hi. Um, first thing I want to say is for the call that said it's all about cookies, 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 um, it's also Boy Scouts all about popcorn and wreaths. So they both have to sell things to make money. That's an on-starter. But I was a Girl Scout leader for many, many years with my daughter. And I also have a son, so I did um, Cub Scouts for a number of years. But it's it's up to the leaders. It's what the leaders make up. Um, We did um, camping in the summer, and we did camping in the winter with the kids. They, they have the same things. It's whether or not the leaders want to do the things with the kids. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have good leaders, you're not going to have the kids interested in it. I hear my niece's kids nowadays, the girls, um, they start out in Girl Scouts, but then they're not interested in it because they don't do fun things. Right. So you have to get the leaders interested. They have leader camps for the, the adults to go to that I used to go to. You learn how to do all these different things. Everybody is so busy, right. and well, they're, into, they're into so many different things nowadays. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, let me, I got a text here. I think it's interesting. Somebody writes to me, my daughter quit because uh, she thought it was boring. <laughs> she said all they did were create arts and crafts. Her brother was in Cub Scouts, got to do fun stuff and go camp out. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, and I, I think that's kind of to your point as well. I mean, you have to, you have to do stuff that's going to interest the kids and, uh, and whether you're a boy or a girl, camping, if you're into that, could be fun. Or like the like last call, I want to learn how to tie knots and do all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, we took the, we, we raised enough money um, with cookie sales that we took the, the girls and the moms to Galena one year. We went to Door County one year. Um, we had the moms go camping in the wintertime so they didn't have to worry about bugs. <laughs> do, you think, do you think this is going to hurt Girl Scouts, big picture, allowing the girls to join the Boy Scouts now? I definitely think it is. Um, they're not. I don't think they're going to be able to survive. Yeah, I. No, th- well, it'll it'll be interesting. I, I think it's going to bring about. I, I think it's going to be bring about a sea change. And I'm sorry, we got jam phone lines on this. We we'll revisit this at some point in time in the future. All right, it's two fifty four. Got to take a quick break. We're going to find out what John McCure, Melissa Barkley, Greg Matzik have on their minds on Wisconsin's afternoon news. Please stick around. This is Jeff Wagner.